0: Welcome to Mana for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional, which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. It's another beautiful day. It's the 20th. Let's look at this day. In history and see what some of the things went on this day this day in history trivia well we had unfortunately the Columbine High School massacre in April 20th 1999 and that was right next to Calvary Chapel and Renee and I know the pastor that went and ministered to that school right after it and um, spent a long time you know, talking to those people, he did. And if I'm, if my memory serves, and Renee can help me later on this because my memory's a little foggy, but I believe he said one of the girls that was shot went to his church, stood up and made a stand for Christ because they asked if anybody's a Christian. She boldly stood up, and they asked like why or something. I can't remember what her response was, but she made a really, really strong stand for the Lord, literally and spiritually. And I believe they shot her. If um, if memory serves Anyway, that's sad But it's also encouraging that there's people that know Even high school students know That there's nothing better There's nothing better in this life Than to know that, that where you're going Is making a stand for your faith Even when it might cost you your life Can you imagine the encouragement to those that lived With saying this, this woman knew what was real Well anyway, um, we'll move on Dolly Parton's first single was on this day nineteen fifty nine at April April twentieth when she was thirteen years old. Pasteurization, also Louis Pasteur, on April twentieth, completed his first test of pasteurizing food. And busing. The US Supreme Court rules on this day in nineteen seventy one that the use of busing to end segregation in public schools is constitutional. The electron microscope was publicly demonstrated for the first time. Interesting, it had a magnification of 100,000 diron meters, whatever that is. And Robert E. Lee resigns his command to the U.S. Army in 1861 on this day. Interesting. Okay, those are just a few of the things in trivia history. Now on to the dad jokes. Hmm, my daughter just shrieked at me. Dad, you haven't listened to a word I said, have you? What an odd way to begin a conversation (laughs) my wife said i was immature i told her to get out of my fort (laughs) okay i had to read that right in my head we can now look over into um our reading for today we are in judges moving on in judges and we are in uh, 16, we're in the life of Samson. And he's an enigma. That's all you can say. He is definitely a very interesting character, any way you look at him. So, Father, thank you for this morning. We do ask for your guidance, your directions. We look into your word that you would show us these things and help us understand a very complex character and how uh, you can use anyone, God, and even redeem us in much of our rebellion and our misconceptions of you. So, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen dealing with a little bit of allergies here, but I think we can make it through. Now, Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there and went into her. When it was told, the Gazites saying, Samson has come here. They surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept silent all night saying, let us wait until morning light. Then we will kill him. Now Samson lay until midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the city gate and the two posts and pulled them up along with the bars. Then he put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the mountain, which is opposite Hebron. After this he came about, and he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came up, to her, and said to her, Entice him and see where his great strength lies, and how we may overpower him that we might bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you eleven hundred pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength is, and how you may be bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven f- fresh cords that have not been dried, that I will become weak and be like any other man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh cords that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had the men lying in wait in the inner rope, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the cords as a string of tow snaps when it touches fire. So his strength was not discovered. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have deceived me and told me lies. Now please tell me how you may be bound. He said to her, If they bind me tightly with new ropes, which have never been used, then I will become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. For the men were lying in wait in the inner room, but he snapped the ropes from his arms like a thread. Then Deliah said to Samson, Up to now you have deceived me and told me lies. Tell me how you may be bound. And he said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my hair into a web, or with the web, and fasten it with a pin, then I will become weak like any other man. So while he slept delilah took seven locks of his hair wove them into the web and she fastened it with a pin and said to him the philistines are upon you samson but he awoke from his sleep and pulled out the pin from the loom and the web then she said to him how can you say i love you when your heart is not with me you have deceived me these three times and have not told me where your great strength is it came about when she pressed him with her words, and urged him that his soul was anointed to death. So he told her all that was in his heart, and said, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I will become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up once more. For he has told me all that is in his heart then the lords of the philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands she made him sleep on her knees and called for him a man and had him shave off the seven locks of hair then he began to afflict him and his strength left him and she said the philistines are upon you samson and he woke from his sleep and said i will go out as the other times and shake myself free But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains. And he was a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. Now the lords of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and rejoice. For they said, Our God has given Samson our enemy into our hands. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hands, even the destroyer of our country, who has slain many of us. So it happened when they were in high spirits that they said, Call for Samson, that he may amuse us. So they called for Samson from the prison, and he entertained them, and they made him stand between two pillars. Then Samson said to the boy who was holding his hand, Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Now the the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there. And about 3,000 men and women were on the roof looking around while Samson was amusing them. Samson is avenged. Verse 28, then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me just this way. Just this time, O God, that I may at once be avenged of of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and braced himself against them, and one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Please let me die with the Philistines. And he bent with all his might, so that the house fell on the lords and all the people who who were in it, so the dead he killed at that death were more than those whom he killed in life. Then his brother and all his father's household came down, took him, brought him up, and buried him between Zoar and Estral in the tomb of Manoah his father. Thus he judged Israel 20 years. Well, we'll stop there before we go on uh, just to comment on his life. He was a judge of Israel who was being judged <laughs> At the same time, in my mind, for his disobedience and his immoral his lifestyle. Yes, he was used by God, but he was not a, an upright judge. He's going he's gonna to be the opposite of Samuel, who I kind of believe was the ultimate judge of Israel. He was one who was brought up from his youth and dedicated to the Lord like Samson, his mother brought him and dedicated him to the Lord, but Samson did not follow the path of the Lord like Samuel. Samuel stayed faithful, learned the word of God. He stayed in the, there um, with Eli. He learned all about God's commands, and he was pure in his heart and in his actions. And He cared about Israel, and so he judged Israel and was a good military leader. But Samson was this wild card that was dedicated to the Lord, and God came upon him and gave him this great ability to be a blessing to the entire country. But yet he became prideful, it would seem, in this great ability he had. And so thinking that, well, I'm a superhuman, and he acted like those demigods. He actually acted like the actual, probably, as what we understand, the Nephilim offspring of fallen angels with the daughters of men they had some type of superhuman power they certainly were giants they were huge and they were very prideful and so pride will get you in the end and this was samson his pride his immoral lifestyle caused him to lose his vision and he, spiritually he lost his his vision of what god had called him to do it took him to be in that prison be isolated alone without strength and realizing how weak he was and then offering that to the Lord. And that's where God finally used him in his weakness. It wasn't that the power was in the hair, really. The power was in the vow. The power was in him being dedicated to the Lord. And so his hair is growing out, but also it was really a, a sign of his full surrender to the Lord. Again, I think it bears it out he's alone he's grinding grain and he's defeated but he prays honestly humbly lord just let me you use me this one last time to be your deliverer for israel because god was trying to deliver the people from idolatry and now these people are rejoicing that their dagon was the god and the great god and they were they were laughing at israel and so then god allows him to do the one last thing in his humble state But he dies in the process because of this great this great prideful rebellion that he had really done through most of his life. Chapter 17, now, there was a man of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Micah. He said to his mother, The eleven hundred pieces of silver which were taken from you, about which you uttered a curse in my hearing. Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. As his mother said, Blessed be my son by the Lord. Then he returned the 1100 pieces of silver to his mother, and his mother said, I wholly dedicate the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now therefore, I will return them to you. So when he returned the silver to his mother, his mother took the 200 pieces of silver and gave them to a silversmith who made them into a graven image and a molten image. And they were in the house of Micah, now the man. Micah had a shrine and he made an ephod, and a household idols, and consecrated one of his sons, that he might become his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, there was a young man from Bethlehem in Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he was staying there. Then the man departed from the city from Bethlehem in Judah to stay wherever he might find a place, as he made his journey. And he came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah. Micah said to him, Where do you come from? And he said to him, I am a Levite from Bethlehem in Judah, and I am going to stay wherever I may find a place. Micah said to him, Do with me, and be a father and a priest to me, and I will give you ten pieces of silver a year, and a suit of clothes, and your maintenance. So the Levite went in. The Levite agreed to live with the man, and the young man became to him like one of his sons. So Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and lived in the house of Micah. Then Micah said, Now I know that the Lord will prosper me, seeing that I have a Levite priest. Chapter 18 In those days there was no king in Israel, and in those days the tribe of the Danites was seeking An inheritance for themselves to live in. For until that day an inheritance had not been allotted to them as a possession among the tribes of Israel. So the sons of Dan sent from their families five men out of their whole number, valiant men from Zor and Nestral, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said to them, Go search the land. And they came to the hill country of Ephraim, to the house of Micah, and lodged there. When They were near the house of Micah. They recognized the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned aside there and said to him, "'Who brought you here? And what are you doing in this place? And what do you have here?' And he said to them, "'Thus and so, as Micah has done to me, and he hired me, and I have become his priest.' They said to him, "Inquire of God, please, that we may know whether our way on which we are going will be prosperous.' The priest said to them, Go in peace, your way in which you are going has the Lord's approval. Then the five men departed and came to Laish and saw the people who were in it living in security after the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure, for there was no ruler humiliating them from anything in the land, and they were far from the Sidonians who had no dealings with anyone. And they came back to their brothers at Zor, and... Eshtaral, their brothers, and said to them, What do you report? And they said, Arise, let us go up against them, for we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And will you sit still? Do not delay to go, to enter to possess the land. When you enter, you will come to a secure people with a spacious land, for God has given it into our hands, a place where there is no lack of anything that is on the earth. Then from the family of the Danites, from Zoar and from Esterel, 600 men armed with weapons of war set out, and they went up and camped at Kiriath-Jerim in Judah. Therefore they called that place Mahmoneh-Dan to this day. Behold, it is west, west of Kiriath-Jerim. They passed from there to the hill country of Ephraim and came to the house of Micah. Verse 14 Then the five men who went to spy out the hill country of Laish said to their kinsmen, Do you know that there, there are in these houses an ephod and household idols and a graven image and a molten image? Now therefore consider what you should do. They turned aside there and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, to the house of Micah and asked him of his welfare. The 600 men, armed with their weapons of war, who were the sons of Dan, stood by the entrance of the gate. Now the five men who went to spy out the land went up and entered there and took the graven image and the ephod and the household idols and the molten image, while the priest stood by the entrance of the gate with the 600 men armed with weapons of war. When these went into Micah's house and took the graven image, the ephod and the household idols and the molten image, the priest said to him, what are you doing? They said to him, be silent. Put your hand over your mouth and come with us and be to us a father and a priest. Is it better for you to be a priest to the house of one man or to be the priest of the tribe of the family of Israel? The priest's heart was glad and he took the ephod and the household idols and the graven image and it went along with the people. Then they turned and departed and they put the little ones and the livestock and the valuables in front of them. Then... They had, when they had gone some distance from the house of Micah, the men who were in the houses near Micah's house, assembled and overtook the sons of Dan. They cried to the sons of Dan who turned around and said to Micah, What is the matter with you? And what have you assembled together? He said, You have taken away my gods, which I've made, and the priest, and I have gone away, and what do I have besides? So how can you say to me, What is the matter with you? The sons of Dan said to him, Do not let your voice be heard among us, or else fierce men will fall upon you, and you will lose your life and the lives of your household. So the sons of Dan went on their way, and when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back to his house. Then they took what Micah had made, and the priest who had belonged to him, and came to Laish, to a people quiet and secure, and struck them with the edge of the sword, and they burned the city with fire. And there was no one to deliver them, because it was far from Sidon, and they had no dealings with anyone. And it was in the valley, which is near beth Rehob. And they rebuilt the city and lived in it. And they called the name of the city Dan after the name of Dan, their father, who was born in Israel. However, the name of the city formerly was Laish. The sons of Dan set up for themselves the graven image and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh. He and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So they set up for themselves Micah's graven image, which he had made all the time that the house of God was at Shiloh. This is super sad. <laughs> this is a young priest, a young Levi, who is supposed to have been trained in the Lord in the word, in the law, in Moses' law, trained to help in the sacrifice of animals at the tabernacle. This was a time when he should have been not just living far away, but waiting for his opportunity to go minister there in the tabernacle and serving. They lived far away in the, in the priestly cities. He's supposed to live in one of the cities of the Levites. That was his job and minister to the people there and still he goes off on his own hey i'm just gonna go and see where i can go live and and get a job basically itinerant levite priest guy and he f- finds a, a job with this israelite idolater that's got all these houses he hey come live with me i serve all these other gods and you i can add you to my milieu of other gods we can use you because you're the God of Jehovah, and will add you to my gods, the other gods. And you, you can help me worship all the gods. And he's this young, um, today we would call progressive, <laughs> liberal kind of Levite that goes, Sure, good idea. I'll help you. And so he is thinking, um, you know, all roads lead to uh, heaven or whatever their concept of heaven was and and he is thinking in terms of all gods need to be worshiped or something along that line and and then the rest of the the tribe of dan come up and they're all on board with this they're like wow you're awesome you not only serve yahweh but you you're a priest to all these other gods too let's take those images let's take all that stuff and we're going to go way up here where originally god had not really called them to go God had set apart. There was a part that they had been set up and given to that was more down in the valley, but they didn't want that. They wanted to go up somewhere that looked better to them and go up, and there they take these idols, and they set it up, the idols. And if you go to Israel today, you can go to the very place, it's still there, the altar where they set up this idol, which was a golden calf, we find out later. And, uh, and it's uh, you can see where the altar was. You can see where they sacrificed everything, it's still preserved there. It's really sad, and they get judged severely for this by God. They're they're basically their name is cut off, and they don't they don't get an inheritance really in the end um, of all things. So very very sad. It, it's certainly a warning to this pluralistic approach to faith in God that Christianity that we can all just worship it. Whatever (laughs) One God One way One son One sacrifice Uh, There is only One way to worship God Through Jesus Christ That's it There is not any other Nothing else Is accepted by God And anything else Does fall under His judgment So And then we're going to See how this works out As Dan tries to do this And it becomes a disaster luke 15 now finishing off luke verse 11 through 32 we saw yesterday the precious coin that was lost by the woman she was looking for it we see that what that which was lost the things that were found and i'll think about it but now we're moving on to the prodigal son then he said a man had two sons the younger of them said to his father father give me the share of the estate that falls to me so he divided his wealth between them And not many days later the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey into the distant country and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pot that the swine were eating and no one was giving him anything to eat but when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread but i am dying here with hunger i will get up and go to my father and i will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight i'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me as one of your hired men so he got up and came his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him and the son said to him father i have sinned against heaven and in your sight i'm no longer worthy to be called your son but the father said to his slaves quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost, has been found, and they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants, and began inquiring of what these things could be, and he said to him, "Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry, was not willing to go in, and his." father came out and began pleading with him and he answered and said to his father look for so many years i have been serving you and have never neglected a command of yours and yet you never gave me a young goat so that i may celebrate with my friends but when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes you killed the fatted calf for him he said to him son you have always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and was found. Can't get any better than that on the parables. This is, again, it's it's connected to the lost sheep. The pastor going the after the one lost sheep of the 99, the lost coin of the woman and now the prodigal son all these expressing the heart of a father expressing the heart of the owner of of all of creation and the creator and he has a heart for the lost and it's um you could take this in so many different kind of applications but the overall aspect is most of us in our sin are dead we i mean In our sin, we have separated ourselves from God. And most of us, many of us, grew up being the prodigal son. I'm just gonna take whatever I can get and I'm gonna go party with it, and I'm gonna use up my resources for my own flesh. I'm gonna it's all gonna be about pleasure and about possessions and everything I can get, but often it all leads to an empty realization. We may not be physically depleted. may be in big comfortable houses with a fat pension or something but we come to that realization that we are starving spiritually and we're hungry and we're going man there's something missing I mean I've used up all of this effort and time in my life to just lavish on myself all these things and I'm sitting here realizing that Maybe there was an experience when you were a kid. Maybe your grandparents brought you to church. Something, some experience you had and you think back and you go, I remember what it was like to feel clean, forgiven, or in the presence of God. Or you've seen it in someone else. Maybe you never experienced that, but you said, with all that I have, I'm still not like my grandma or my, my friend, my person you know that knew the Lord and had that joy and peace. And you're sitting there, I don't have that. I need that. I'm starving. And so you come back to God. You knew you had an experience. Most of us grew up knowing about God. Most of us went to church. But then you say, you know what? I'm going to go back. And, and you humbly go to church. You humbly go to a Bible study, whatever it is, somebody wants to help you come back to the Lord. And you do, and you see that God is not angry with you. He's not trying to find out ways to punish you for, for being so dumb all those years He's looking to embrace you and just celebrate. And this is so, so it's wonderful news, and this is what we, we always share with people because when people do come back and they say, man, I've blown it, I'm a sinner, and God can never forgive me, and they're beating themselves up, and you're going, you don't have to beat yourself up. If you're ready to change, if you're ready to surrender, God is ready to have a feast with you because he's rejoicing that you were dead, but now you're alive. Your destiny was hell and separation and death And you had nothing and and you were just a walking corpse but now in christ if you've really surrendered your life and you've come back to the father then receive the embrace and rejoice this is called grace it's getting what you do not deserve you get the mercy of god because he doesn't judge you and says i'm not going to send you hell i will forgive you but then you get his his grace is when he lavishes upon you what you know you don't deserve his love and his acceptance and his feast and giving you the best, I knew this, the sandals and the food and the robes that we receive from him. So wonderful. That's why we are believers, because of his goodness, right? Romans 17, this is Charles Spurgeon, the just shall live by faith. Actually, that was Paul, but uh, Charles Spurgeon on the commentary of Romans one seventeen. I shall not die, I can, I do believe in the Lord my God, and this faith will keep me alive. I would be numbered among those who in their lives are just, but even if I were perfect, I would not try to live by my righteousness. I would cling to the work of the Lord Jesus and still live by faith in him and nothing else. If I were able to give my body to be burned for the Lord Jesus, yet, I would not trust in my own courage and constancy but still would live by faith. To live by faith is a fair, sure, and happier thing than to live by feelings or by works. The branch, by living in the vine, lives a better life than it would live by itself. Even if it were possible for it to live at all apart from the stem, to live by clinging to Jesus, by deriving all from him is a sweet and sacred thing If even the most just must live in this fashion, how much more must I, who am a poor sinner? Lord, I believe I must trust thee wholly. What else can I do? Trusting thee is my life. I feel it so to be. I will abide by this even to the end. So Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, for, for blessing us and giving us this life. We we offer it up to you. We ask God that you do keep us ever, God, in your sights when we wander from you. Thank you for the ability to come back to you. Thank you for last night and showing us how your love extended even to the enemies of Israel, even to one who was prideful like Naaman, so much like Samson. We bless you, God, for what you are doing in our lives. And we just yield up this whole day to you. We thank you for our friends for Jesser, Karina, and the kids coming and spending time with us and helping us with the youth retreat. I ask you to bless them on their way home. So thank you for this beautiful day, God, in Jesus' name. Okay, that'll do it. I've got to get finished up pretty quick because we've got to run our friends over to the airport. So God bless you guys. We will see you tomorrow. (music) Bye-bye.